It's the top of the hour, and you're listening to WLCA, WLCA HD1 Godfrey. And now, it's time for the WLCA Sports Show. Line them up for kickoff. Pop it in there, baby. Good morning and welcome into the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. We have a great show planned for you all this morning as we're going to be talking first off about the New England Patriots and what their near future is going to be looking like along with discussing the John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade, the winners, the losers of that trade. College basketball continues today and we'll be looking into how number five Illinois can improve from their loss against number two Baylor last week. And then at always as... As always, at 10.15, Mike Lemons, our college football aficionado, is going to be joining us for College Football Talk. I am your host, Ethan Hannaford, joined by Nathan Tucker from home and in studio for the first time, our first year, Jack Barker. Jack, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am doing absolutely peachy this morning. Nathan, how you doing? How's home? Oh, you know, the home studio is solid. You got, got the TV, so I can't really complain. Fam doing all right? Yeah, everything's good now. Say you, you go go through a couple weeks of COVID quarantines and whatnot. And we we go through that CC that COVID crap. Exactly. We love it out here uh, at, at Lewis and Clark. We love the COVID crap. Well, <laughs> <laughs> after two after two weeks after seven weeks, the New England Patriots two and five. So since then they've won three of four and are now back to five and six. Last week we saw the Patriots upsetting the Arizona Cardinals, uh, twenty to seventeen kind of put themselves back in that playoff the hunt for a playoff spot there and still two games out of the playoffs at this point but Nathan I'm curious what you think can the Patriots still be a playoff team at this point you know in this kind of uh, expanded field I think they can and I think that their style of play or almost lack of style to their play works more in that cold at Foxborough I think I think that's kind of part of the element or one of the elements of why the Cardinals couldn't find success in Foxborough you know, uh, Cam, I had a lot of high hope for Cam going to the Patriots at the start of the season. And he's not really throwing the ball that much, if at all. And it's you know not really working out that well when he actually does throw the ball. Like, last game against the Cardinals, New England only had 179 total yards of offense. And I think 84 mo- of them were passing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, most of them were on, on the ground through their kind of running back by committee setup there. You know? They have a good defense, and I think that good defense is a really important part of their game. But it's really hard to see them moving the football, and I think that's going to be trouble for them moving forward. Yeah, I I agree with that. You, there's just been a lot of lack of production on the offensive side, and it's going to be, you know, I think the argument is that they can be a playoff team, but will they is another thing, you know. They're probably going to have to win out if they want to end up being a playoff team or at least I mean, you can't lose more than one game at this point for the projections for how everyone else in the AFC is looking at this point. So it's going to be down to the wire. Jack, I'm curious what you think. Do you think the Patriots can still make the playoffs? Uh, like you said, I think uh, I think they need to win out. And they've got a, a big game this weekend against the Chargers where they're actually favored by a point. So I think it'll be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. I think Justin Herbert may be getting his first win as a starter. Um, we'll just have to see how the... Uh, the Patriots defense tries to contain the Chargers this weekend, and uh, they'll have to move on from there. Would this be his first one as a starter? Has he really not gotten a win yet? I don't believe so. Yeah, that, that, that seems crazy, doesn't it? That's horrifying. because He's probably a rookie of the year candidate, if not the leading rookie of the year candidate. Well, I, I think he'd have to be at this point, right? With I mean, the only competition really he has is Joe Burrow, and with Burrow yeah. hurt, I mean... 
I mean, you could argue Tua could make an uh, or Justin Jefferson could make a run for it. Even I don't know. I mean, you look at the production that that Herbert has had, and really, I mean, you wonder where that Chargers team would be if Tyrod Taylor was starting at quarterback. I don't. I mean, there would be no offensive production at all. So I mean, for me, I I think that Herbert probably leans as the rookie of the year. What do you think, Nathan? You know, I. Like but by what you just said, I think it has to be him. Even though like the Chargers haven't really had success, but that's not been his fault at all. That's Her- Herbert's been the guy throwing multiple times over hundred, three hundred yards, despite just that entire team being really you know lackluster around him generally. You know he's willed them to that record, which. You know, I guess it's a, he's willed them to playing competitive football, not as much the record, the win loss record. There it because is. I believe that the Chargers play, you know, a competitive game, and despite the fact that they have a very, you know, not great record, they are generally giving teams good football games and are generally, you know, within a shout of each game. And they do have one win, um, or Herbert has one win, and that was against okay. the Jets a few weeks ago. I was gonna say I thought they had he had one win, but I mean, <laughs> you, you tend to mentally block out New York Jets football games. Honestly, you, you really do. Jack, I know you had an interesting take on that. Do you think that Herbert's the favorite for the Rookie of the Year? I think right now, I mean, obviously, he's the, the consensus favorite. I think you can make an argument for Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's got 918 yards. He's averaging 83 yards a game, uh, and he's got six touchdowns under his belt. Um, maybe get him a quarterback better than Kirk Cousins, and we'll see a little bit more production out of him. But I think you Herbert's on pace to beat Baker Mayfield's uh, touchdown record or touchdown uh, pass record as a rookie, and he's on pace to beat Andrew Luck by most passing yards. So I mean, when you set when you set records like that, um, it's uh, it's pretty hard to ignore the fact that you know you're the rookie of the year. Yeah, I, and I, I would agree with that. And it's it's going to be a, a a fun. It's been really cool to see Justin Jefferson kind of break out this season, especially with a bad Vikings team that is somehow you know also you could argue maybe in the hunt like on the outside looking in for a playoff spot in the NFC. But back to the back to the Patriots. I know Nathan, you were talking about the the biggest key to get in and I think that you really nailed it on the head when you talked about Cam Newton and how he really just has to perform better and that offense as a whole has to perform better we've seen the defense look really solid over the last several weeks um, I mean that win last week was completely provided for by the defense and yeah I mean, uh, luckily they, they had a goal line also I say I was just gonna say that they had a goal the Patriots had a goal line stand in that game like right before halftime and that's you know looking at the score that's the difference in the football game. Yeah, and it really comes down to Cam Newton just has to be better. Um, like you said, last week he had he was 9 for 18, 84 passing yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Where's the Cam Newton that we had, like you said, had all the hype at the beginning of the, um, of the season and honestly started playing into that hype until he got COVID and then everything seemed to fall apart. And the real question I have is how can the Patriots – get back on this level of consistency. We have seen them look solid at times this week or this season. Like, I mean, last week wasn't a, they didn't look amazing, but they got a win against a playoff team. And then we'll see them, you know, barely beat a team like the Jets or they'll almost beat a team like the Bills and go down to the wire. And they're just so inconsistent right now that if they want to be a playoff team, they have to play much more consistent football. Like you said, Jack, this is a huge game this week against the Chargers a game that they have to win and I could see them based on their inconsistency this season I could see them slipping up however 
if they play clean, it would be a great boost getting back to 500. And then you have the Rams, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. A couple of those are going to be tough games. But if Cam Newton can clean it up, if the defense can continue playing solid, this team still can fight for a playoff spot. Now, now I'm curious to what you have to say about this, Jack. What is the spot that the Patriots need to improve on the most going into the offseason in order to really um, stillify themselves as a top seven team in the AFC? If they're going to keep Cam Newton, they need to get that man some weapons. Uh, You're looking at the free agent class, and there's Kenyon Drake out of Arizona, Aaron Jones out of Green Bay, Allen Robinson out of Chicago, Kenny Galladay, and George Kittle. I mean, the Patriots need to make a move. They need to get Cam Newton some weapons if he stays. So my question now is, is Cam Newton the answer? We don't know yet. Well, that's the problem, though, is you're a, you have a one-year deal right now. You're going to be coming up to a point. You're at a, a critical part in the season if you're the Patriots right now because give it. A, uh, I mean, the next several weeks will decide where your draft pick is going to be. And if you have a decent enough draft slot... I'm going quarterback if there's something available. You have to start looking at who's the future of your team going to be because it's not Cam Newton. Um, Cam Newton has been in this league long enough to where his it's clear that his peak has passed, and you, you don't know week to week what you're going to get out of him. So I think the concern is, based on the next couple of weeks, how those look, how they perform, where is their draft pick going to be? Are they going to try and trade up for a draft pick? It doesn't seem like something very... Bill Belichick liked to do. However, no one thought that Bill Belichick would be the guy to sign Cam Newton either. So who knows? Nathan, what do you think on this? You know, earlier in the season when New England was starting to take a turn for a worse, I was almost wondering if they were kind of doing that intentionally almost looking toward the future. And I think, you know, that's a a near conspiracy theory thought, but I kind of think that a lot of people around the league were kind of thinking that Belichick had some sneaky plan to kind of play this, you know, lesser style of football and get that, you know, top-level pick and, you know, maybe make a move for Trevor Lawrence because when that was still a possibility. But now, you know, that's not a possibility, I think. Hey, it could still happen. If the Jets (laughs) win the next five games and the Patriots lose the next five games, then have at it. You know, we we could all we could all you know, and I win the lottery tomorrow, and we all have you know everything we dream for. But I don't. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't think. You know, I think the Patriots are in a spot now where they have to make a move. I think there was a point this year when they thought Jared Stidham was the future of the franchise, and don't you clearly want- some point in training camp that drastically changed. And it's very interesting. You wonder how the Patriots would be with Jared Stidham, and then you realize that they're really not that great with Cam Newton either. So it's like, well, how much really worse would they be? Yeah, I mean, right now, you gotta, you have Cam Newton, and I love Cam Newton. I you know thought he was a great quarterback at a point in time, but you know, clear, clearly, he's kind of slowed down the pace a bit, and him kind of his him losing a step kind of affects his game. And it makes him a little bit more predictable to a defense. You know, it's tough to say. I, you know, I agree. I think, I think the, you know, I think in the short term, if you want to try to win in the short term, you get Cam a weapon for next season. But you know, in the long term, I think you're thinking more. You know, playmakers in the draft classes and. 
you know, seeing how that shakes out moving forward, depending on where you're, you know, lined up in the draft this year. And I think that also adds well is, you know, Bill Belichick starting to get up there in age. I don't think he's, I think he still has some coaching days left, but what is he looking at? Is he looking at success for the future or is he looking at success for the near future? And I think that'll be something also interesting to kind of think about as we continue to move into um, further and further into this season um, in the NFL. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have picks of the week. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. It is time for your picks of the week. Getting it started the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. This is a game that could this could go a lot of ways. You know, last week we saw the Atlanta Falcons beat the crap out of the Vegas Raiders and that was after I picked the Vegas Raiders to beat the crap out of the Atlanta Falcons and it really just depends on which Falcons team we get today. Now, either way, I think that the Saints are a much better team than the than the Raiders at this point. I think that the Saints win this game. I have it 31-21. But the Falcons, I have them, you know, they're able to contest a little bit, stay in there. But I just don't. I, I think the Saints are, in my opinion, the favorite in the NFC right now to make it out, get to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I don't see the Falcons really doing anything in that matchup. How about you, Nathan? You know, I don't think the Falcons will do much, but... Man, I really don't like the Saints with Taysom Hill at quarterback. I think they've completely neutralized a once pretty good offense, and now Alvin Kamara is just some guy with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Uh, I have Saints winning, but 24-20. It's not going to be a fun game. Uh, Speaking of not fun games, uh, the Lions and Bears... uh, I still do not trust the Bears, and it's really hard to trust them when you actually watch them play football. It's it's ugly. It's you know not fun to watch. I think the Bears will win this game. You know Mitch Trubisky is back. I would pro I would probably say Mitch Trubisky is still going to throw one interception at least, maybe two, is maybe this your, three. Is this your crap game of the week? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of bad games. <laughs> there is quite a few bad games. Uh, I don't think this is my crap game of the week because I think some of the others we got here are going to be just as bad, if not worse. Uh, I think the Bears will win, but it'll be like 19 to 14 or oh, something. Oh, that's a high quality score. And then you've got, uh, you've got Browns and Titans, which I think is going to be an interesting game this week. But I think what you saw out of the Titans offense last week and the Titans defense, which has been pretty hard to watch this year, uh, they played a really, really well put together team game. And I mean, you look at when the Titans played the Browns last year, week one, and they absolutely routed them. I think it's going to go the same exact way. I think Derrick Henry is going to go 152 touchdowns, and it's probably going to be something like 31-13. I have it being a bit closer, and that's because I still have the Titans winning, but the Titans are a team that is just so inconsistent. We've seen at times this year they go and they knock off, or you know they play really well in a big game, and then the next week they just don't show up. Um, so I still have them winning, but I have it being a lot closer. I have it 33-27. Next matchup, Bengals-Dolphins. This one is also uh, a top contender for crap game of the week. It would be really awesome if Joe Burrow was still in there, but... 
Um, unfortunately, he's having some issues with uh, his knee and absolutely being wrecked right now, unfortunately. <laughs> Just some issues with his knee. It is extremely messed up. So um, best of luck to him in getting back um, in the NFL. I'm sure he'll be fine. I have the Dolphins winning this one. Don't have it being much of a contest. The Bengals are are just as bad as the Jets without Joe Burrow. So I have it 27 to 9. Um, so, I mean, whether Tua starts or whether uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick starts, the, the Dolphins have a win in this one. Brian Flores did say that if Tua is healthy, he is the starter. Good note. Yeah, I think that yeah, that is an important note for any Mike Gusecki fantasy owners out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh I say next up, this is my uh, crap game of the week. It is the Jaguars and Vikings. It will maybe, (laughs) I think at least compared to the Bears and Lions game, there will be points. There will be points scored, but it will not be pretty to watch either way. I think, you know, you're going to have a lot of interceptions. I would, you know, I think a defense. Give the ball to Dalvin Cook and all your answers will be solved. Yeah. Yeah. Someone should actually tell Kirk Cousins that more often. Uh, yeah, the Vikings are going to win, and I will not watch this football game. And then you've got um, this. This is probably my crap game of the week: Raiders and Jets. The Raiders coming off an ugly, ugly loss, five turnovers in that game against the Falcons, where they made the Falcons look like Super Bowl contenders. Um, the Jets, which is obviously. really hard to do. That's exactly, really exactly. Hard to do. kind of impressive, honestly, <laughs> that they did that. Uh, And then, you know, you've got the Jets who aren't winning a football game this year. So the Raiders kind of get this just because uh, I say uh, hopefully Josh Jacobs is healthy for my fantasy team's sake. I'll say the Raiders get this one 24 to three. How's your fantasy team looking? Uh, I'm seven and five. Okay, that's not bad. Is that that's playoff probably playoff team? I'm, I'm in the I'm tied for the third seed right now. Okay. All right. All right. I'm nine and three. So yeah, I'm that one seed, not trying to flex or anything, but you know how it be. Uh, let's see. Next matchup, we got the Colts and the Texans. And I'm actually really excited for this game. The Colts coming off a rough loss um, last week against uh, the Titans. Played really bad. Um, Derrick Henry absolutely destroyed them. It'll be really interesting to see how a Texans team that has been playing a lot better in recent weeks, Deshaun Watson has looked really solid, how he matches up against that Colts defense and how they're able to line up with a quarterback that can move a little bit. Um, so I still have the Colts winning this matchup. I have it being a close one. I have it 24-21, to 21, uh, but it's going to be a really good game. I think it'll be down to the wire. Yeah, I say I think that's going to be probably one of the you know, better games to watch of, you know, the football calendar is weird as it almost says, you know, when we, we thought about the Texans earlier this year, just being, you know, basement, nearly hey, basement. What dwellers. did I say at the beginning of the year? Get Bill O'Brien out of there. And the Texans are not a completely awful team. Deshaun Watson can do things. Now I'm not saying that they're a playoff team or anything, but Hey, but they're decent enough. I mean, they're, Deshaun they're like Watson is good enough that like he can carry, I mean, similar yeah. to, with the Packers, I mean, with Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, now and obviously not to that level, but it's it, it's a comparison. Yeah, he he can he can put at least like eight guys on his back. Like <laughs> I don't know if he can put the whole like ten other. He's gonna be like in back. bed for about th- two and a half months after season, just oh, recovering yeah. from that from the back pains. Though <laughs> that's my fantasy quarterback. Me too. Me too. Me too. It's been it's been great. I say. uh... I think what 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 do we have next here? I'm looking at the Rams Cardinals. Rams Cardinals. Oh, I say I I think you know this will be 
the Kyler Murray, you know, getting back on the horse game after, you know, a little bit of a downer performance against New England. I think, you know, being back, you know, in the safe, the safe confines of home will help him a, month, a bunch. And, you know, I think the Cardinals are back on the horse here. The Rams, it's really hard to get a good read on the Rams this year. But <laughs> it really is. The defense is very, their defense can be really good, but. You know, the offense is really shaky, and they really struggle to put up points against the 49ers. It's, you know, it's hard to see. I, I think it'll be a close game still, but I think the Cardinals will take this one. I had it 28-24. Next, you got uh, Giants and Seahawks, which I think is going to be a little bit more interesting than most people would give credit for, even though it is the Daniel Jones-less Giants. I think the Seahawks, I mean, they have not impressed me at all this year. I still think they're going to At all? In ways they've impressed me, but in other ways, I mean that defense has just been so yeah, lackluster. And defense wins championships. You know, I don't, I don't know if they'll make it past the divisional this year uh, when they make the playoffs. But I've got them winning this game just because the Giants are likely going to be out without Daniel Jones. Even though it's weird to say they're leading. even if they have Daniel Jones, I'm not picking the Giants. To they're beat leading. The Seahawks. They're leading in the NFC East. Well, well there's is, a reason that we call it the NFC least. All the right. NFC That's why least. There's a reason we call it that on the on the show. So the Seahawks will win this one. I mean, they didn't even cover the spread against the Eagles. So um, I'll say they win this one, 24-10. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks also. Um, you know, you could compare it to last week's rough win. I guess that's a good way to describe it. A rough win um, against the Eagles. Won by six points. Um, now the game was not that close throughout. Um, however, the they didn't even look very fluent on offense. I have them winning today 27-16. to 16. Going to be kind of a, I think it's going to be a rugged game. Um, but I think that the Seahawks will control that still. Next matchup, the Eagles facing off against the Packers. I think that this is going to be a very, 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 very ugly game. Uh, listen, the Packers, one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, Eagles, one of the worst offenses in the league. And this is all I have written down in my notes. The Packers' defense is better than the Eagles' offense, if that's saying anything. We may <laughs> that see... just ain't good. <laughs> that, that just ain't good. You're 100% right on that one. I have the Packers winning this one. I have it being 30-20, to 20, but it, it could be very uh, a lot worse. We may see Jalen Hurts this week. We might. Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Is this the week that it happens? It, it may very well. I think that uh, I know that the Eagles coaches did say that Jalen Hurts is planning on receiving snaps in the game this week. I don't know if I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think they are going to start running stuff in the offense for him. So. I kind of feel bad for Carson Wentz though. They they're talking about him having potentially like some mental problems. Uh, you know, just with being benched for the Super Bowl and then just having a lot of, you know, kind of rough things going on right now. So kind of feel and bad. And he has for the to guy. play for the Eagles, which can't be good Eagles. for your, that can't be good for your psyche at all. I mean, we've shown, he's proven that he can be a decent quarterback in this league, but it's just, yeah, it's unfortunate watching him be so bad now. But yeah, Eagles, they're going to lose this game. Next matchup, Nathan. Uh, yeah, the next matchup, we got the Patriots and Chargers. And, you know, we touched on this a little bit, just talking football at the beginning here. You know, I kind of think that, you know, we've I, I've had enough of a case here that the Pats defense can contain Justin Herbert and, you know, the kind of cast he has around him on that Chargers offense. It'll just be a real question on if the Patriots can score, you know, a necessary 
20 points to win this football game. I think they just about get there, but I think the game's going to be super close. I think it's going to be like 23 to 30, New England. I, I have it 21 to 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So the yeah. argument for the is 20 points enough nails it. <laughs> yeah, just, just, a squ- just a little over 20 points, and I think they get the job done. Then you got uh, Broncos and Chiefs, which, I mean, it's going to be the Mahomes show for another week. Uh, he's The Broncos should not have been allowed to play football last week. Mm. Like, yeah. uh, least- As a Broncos fan, I can confirm that that should be the case. I think that was, yeah. the, that was the NFL saying that you got to take COVID a little bit more seriously. Uh, we're going to make you play no matter what. So, you know, I think this is going to be another Mahomes show. I'm waiting for the game this year where he throws for 500 yards. I think it's going to happen. This may very well happen this week. Um, the Broncos' defense is suspect. I mean, losing Von Miller before the season started was huge. Um, the Chiefs' defense might just give the Broncos, like, 25 points just for fun. Just for fun, so Mahomes can continue to run it up. Yeah. May very well happen. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chiefs also in this one. I have it 41-20. to 20. Um, it's going to be a blowout. I think it was 43-16 like 16 last time they played. But, I mean, the question will be, can the Broncos score more than 16 points, not whether they can win this game? Uh, uh, next matchup, the Washington football team facing off against the Steelers. All right, guys. So, brace, brace for upset um, pick here. I'm going with the Washington football team, and hear me out. I know that you guys, Jack's giving me like a baffled look right now, and hear me out. The, Patri- the Patriots, the Steelers, while they are 11-0, they are the worst 11-0 team in the history of the NFL. Their <laughs> wins have not looked impressive. They played, what, three days ago? Four day- three days ago, and they played like crap against the Baltimore Ravens, who have not impressed at all this year, against a Robert Griffin the third and Trace McSorley-led Ravens team and won by, what, five, te- five points? Only I five mean, points. I mean, they won by. They would have won by more had there not been like a weirdo like Hail Mary. Trace the McSorley, the goat. Um, so, <laughs> I have it twenty-seven, twenty-four. Why not throw an upside in there? Okay, will it happen? Who the heck knows? But but why not throw it in there? Because if I do get it right, then that's the <laughs> best pick of all time. If hey, Was- shooters shoot, shooters shooters gonna shoot. That's exactly right. If Washington wants to win that game, they have to establish the ground game with Gibson very, very early on, and that is a run defense that the Steelers have, a front seven that is one of the best we've seen probably since, I don't know, the Legion of Boom. We've also seen Terry McLaurin, Alex Smith. We've seen a good connection with that in the past couple of weeks, so it'll be see, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, if, if, if Washington can compete, hey, it's a game I'll watch, and you know, if it's good in the first quarter, I'll keep watching it. Next matchup, Nathan? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll say I'll touch on the last one just really quick. I just... I think you're onto something there, Ethan, about this being a potential upset just because I think the Steelers tend to play down to their opponents and Washington is just a little bit better than some of the opponents that they've played down to. I look back at the Steelers against the Cowboys yeah. the game a couple weeks ago. You know, I don't think the Steelers are going to lose, but I think that they have kind of made themselves susceptible to asking that question. Uh, yeah, say so we'll move move on to the Bills and 49ers. I think, or at least I keep expecting the Bills to have another just bad game. And I think this is a really great contender for it because the 49ers are kind of starting to, you know, hit, hit on all cylinders again a little bit. Which is so weird. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the NFC West is pretty fun, tough to bottom, even though like I would say the 49ers are the bottom of it. They're still a pretty good team. And uh, if, the, if it tells you anything... They're better than any team in the NFC East. Yeah, 
with, by the, far. with the team that they have in right now. Yeah, I'd say they are, you know, shorthanded a little to this, a degree right now. Still, you know, I think this is. The, I think the 49ers keep rolling. I think the 49ers will take this game. It'll be, you know, it'll help them to keep the Bills' offense a bit more in check, and keeping Josh Allen in check will be a you know a crucial element to winning that game. You know, I think you want to try to keep it low scoring against a Bills team, and the Niners can win it, but they'd have to win it like 21 to 14. And our last pick is going to be the Cowboys at Ravens. This is going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be... Tuesday night action. Yeah, Tuesday <laughs> night football. We love it. We love it. Um, I think it's going to be another ugly game. I don't think the Ravens are going to be completely healthy or completely, you know, have COVID wiped out quite yet. So they're still going to be missing some pretty key role players. But the Cowboys have basically had to build an infirmary outside of at and <laughs> Stadium. With, with how bad it's been down there this year. It's not wrong. I think uh, the Ravens are going to win this game uh, just because their defense will, will play well, maybe not because of the offensive play, but uh, they'll, they'll, they'll do a good job in containing the Cowboys, but I can't imagine that that's going to be a Tuesday night game worth watching. I have the Ravens winning this one also, but this is my crap game of the week. This is going to be a bad game. I have it 20-16, to 16, but this could end up being a score of like 18 to like 13 or something gross in the, like in that. In the true spirit of Tuesday night action football. Tuesday night action. Let's get it, baby. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the Russell Westbrook, John Wall trade. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to travel through time. I bid you adieu. Well, on this uh, special date in sports history, we'll take a look at hockey history. Today, in 1909, the oldest current NHL franchise is officially established as Jay Ambrose O'Brien and Jack Laviolette create Club de Hockey Canadien, or the Montreal Canadiens. And in 2018, the newest NHL franchise is born when the NHL Board of Governors awards a team to the Seattle Hockey Partners Ownership Group the team is eventually named the Seattle Kraken, and they joined the league in the 21-22 season. Awesome name, by the way. And, yeah, I love the name. And, uh, yeah, that's today in NHL history. I think I also saw something that today was the uh, the day that the, um, was it Russia's Winter Olympics was, like, kicked out or something? What, what happened with that a couple years ago in the Winter Olympics? Ooh, let's say, I think, I think the Winter, it was the... Oh man, I, I didn't even see the. I, saw I didn't even see this one. Hold on, I thought I swear I saw that somewhere. Here it is. Russia is banned. Yeah, from the 2018 Winter Olympics. Oh yeah, Pyeongchang. Um, that one was the. Yeah, I forgot about that until you, I read that this morning. It's easy to forget because Russia still played, but they played not as the country, but as the Olympic athletes from Russia. If you remember that, because they wore like the Olympic ring and jerseys. How fascinating. And they, yeah, they, I remember that now because I remember that in hockey. It was a big deal for hockey specifically, obviously, because that's you know Russia's big thing. So the Olympic athlete, they Russia won, I believe, but as the Olympic athletes of Russia and not the actual Russian Federation. Quite fascinating, and you know, but it, now moving on to the NBA. The, the NBA in the last several weeks has been really exciting. There's been a lot of change. Uh, this week specifically, a lot of it revolves um, as far as contract extensions. The Los Angeles Lakers, uh, you know, keeping making sure that they have their top guys. 
um, in there for the next couple of years. LeBron James and Anthony Davis both uh, signed to um, contracts. Anthony Davis, a five-year, $190 million max contract, becomes one of the uh, one of four players now in Lakers history to have a $100 million contract. But the big one from this week, the Washington Wizards acquiring Russell Westbrook from the Houston Rockets in exchange for John Wall and a first-round pick. Wow. What yeah. a what a day. I mean, saved my butt because I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? And then, you know, John Wall <laughs> gets shipped off and Russell Westbrook. So pretty crazy. And I know, Jack, you were talking about you're a Wizards fan. What do you think about this trade? I think that both teams, in a way, are going to win this trade. I don't think John Wall is necessarily going to return to form. I think him and Harden are going to complement each other well uh, playing together in Houston. But I think Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook creates one of the most interesting backcourts in the entire league. And I think Russ could potentially, you know, take off with this team. And this, this could be, you know, a seven seed, a six seed. You know, this could be a pretty good team coming out of the East. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, sleep on them at all. Houston, I still think is gonna is gonna do it in the in, in the West. But you know, will Harden start playing better now that he doesn't have Russ with him? How will John Wall fit into their offense? It'll be really interesting to see. And I think a lot of it depends on the attitude that John Wall goes into it in Houston. We know that Russell, or not sorry, Russell Westbrook. Um, we know that James Harden is there's still the number one guy in Houston. That's his mindset. He knows that he's the number one guy. It'll be interesting if John Wall, who has been a pretty stubborn player in his career, um, as described by some people, um, not, in a, not that that's a necessarily a bad thing. It can be at times, but it'll be interesting if he's willing to sort of play into the system that James Harden has built in Houston. And that means being a true point guard, for James Harden. We've seen that with Chris Paul, it didn't work very well. Um, it didn't, I mean, there was success, but there wasn't the amount of success that they want, which is really making, you know, <laughs> making it past that step that they haven't been able to get to the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, no, Western Conference Finals. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works out. I'm curious, Nathan, who do you think got the better end of this deal? You know, uh, on paper, I kind of want to say Washington does, just because you know I did, Washington did send uh, a pick that way. But I think, you know, as Jack mentioned, that that was the best. You know, I, I think, or I think they'll be one of the best backcourts in all of basketball between you know Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Uh, Bradley Beal really put has put the Wizards on his back in John Wall's absence and. You know, now actually having someone else, you know, a volume scorer, a guy who can, you know, take that load off of Beal and, you know, maybe at times could kind of trade back and forth with Beal as far as, you know, being the guy to be the scorer on that team. Because, you know, Beal's proven that he can be, you know, he can fill it up with some of the best in all of basketball. He was, I believe, right behind Harden in uh, points per game last season. So I think he's, you know, top, you know, top two, top three in that category. He's, you know, a guy who's, I think, improving more because John Wall had, you know, John Wall's injury almost forced him to kind of mature as a player and forced him to kind of grow as a player. So I think now when you add Russell Westbrook to a Bradley Beal who's already who's been improving over the past few years, it, it, it's a really interesting look for the Wizards. And I, I agree definitely. I think, you know, they're definitely a playoff team now. I, I would say that they probably push up to a sixth seed. You know, I think the Eastern Conference is starting to look a little more fun, and it's been, 
you know, a while since you could really say that the Eastern Conference has, you know, looked pretty fun, almost top to bottom, at least in the playoff picture. I think another interesting part of this trade, too, is, and a lot of people are overlooking it, is that Russell Westbrook is going to be reunited with Scott Brooks, yeah. who he used to play for. So seeing, you know, how well he goes and playing with, with, with a coach that already knows him, already knows his play style, already knows what he likes, I think that's going to be something that gets overlooked, but something that's also really important. Um, also, just kind of a fun fact, this was the second time that two five-time All-Stars have been traded in the entire league history. Who's the first one? Do you I, know? No, I don't. Okay. Um, you know, it is, it, it, it'll is. it definitely have an interesting play out. I'm going to go the opposite way. I think that the, the Rockets ended up getting the better end of this deal, um, considering that along with, uh, you know, getting John Wall. If John Wall can be healthy, he's proven that he is one of the best players in this league. Now, the big question is, will he be healthy? I think that his game is going to complement Westbrook. I think both of these teams were winners, but if you had to pick one, for me, I'm going with the Rockets. Um, I think the Rockets still have more potential to be successful. Bringing in Boogie, I think, will also be um, really interesting. Now you have John Wall and Boogie, uh, you know, former teammates at Kentucky, um, playing together. And then, you know, James Harden is James Harden. And then you you know you should you bring in that first round draft pick on top of that. So I think overall, when you look at it, yes, they did sacrifice Russell Westbrook, but Russell Westbrook was also kind of I don't want to say crippling because it was I think you could argue is probably a little bit of James Harden and Russell Westbrook, but Russell Westbrook and his play style has been I think it has hurt teams as a whole in the past, and I think that. They're getting that out of there was a very important was probably an important uh, key. You know, it was either James Harden or Russell Westbrook had to go, and you know, your Russell Westbrook is at an age where he can still have success in this league. He's still one of the best players in this league, but he's 32 right now. Russell Westbrook relies heavily, heavily on his explosiveness. This is kind of the age for a lot of players where explosiveness starts to move out. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have a drastic um, you know, decrease in success this season. However, keep an eye on that. That if how much success, how much that alters, you know, um, as he continues to you know age. And another thing that I think is really interesting for Washington in this trade is that this is this is a young team that Russell Westbrook is 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 joining. I mean, he's going to walk into that locker room, and pretty much every player in that locker room is going to be looking up to him as. In Houston, he had to kind of fight for the spotlight with Harden, and that was a team full of, you know, proven season NBA guys. You know, now you've got some rookies. You've got a second year in Rui Hachimura. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how does Russ take that leadership role and does his play respond well to it? Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting uh, to talk or to look into. Um, final question, real quick, uh, before we go to break. Both of you, are the Wizards a playoff team in 2021? Yes. Nathan? Oh, Mike was muted for a second. Yeah, they are. I think I think they'll be a sixth seed. I think the bot, the lower levels of the East will be a little bit, you know, easier for them to get through now. You see, I don't I don't know if I can say that I they will. I think they're going to be right on the edge. I think they're a borderline playoff team, but I don't know if I'd go as high as six. Um, I think I could, could squeeze a seven, but I do not want to say that they are guaranteed a spot at this point. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. And we're going to have a college basketball talk. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9.
Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. We are moving on from professional basketball to college basketball. My personal preference, if anyone was wondering, I don't know. I just, I think there's more excitement to the college sports rather than the professional realm. I like college sports more when there's people there. Agreed. That but now well it, said. Now I'm just focusing on guys missing free throws for the last 10 minutes of the game. That's true. Very, very uh, good point. Um, you could really sum up Illinois' game 10 for 16 from the <laughs> line uh, uh, the other day. But um, let's talk about that a little bit. This past Thursday, number five, Illinois, um, losing to number two, Baylor, 82 to 69 in the Jimmy V Classic. Uh, you know, it was a one-point game at halftime, and, you know, it was a it was a back-and-forth game until 10 minutes left in this game, and uh, the, the Bears ended up pulling away a little bit there in the final minutes of the game. Nathan, I'm curious, what is the biggest thing that the Illini need to improve on from that game? You know, I, I mean, first, I look at foul trouble right away. I think that would put them in a you know tough position with a, you know, rotations against Baylor, because... I believe it was only about four or five minutes into the game. Kofi Coburn already had two fouls. And yeah, lucky, luckily for them, uh, Georgie Yanishvili actually yes. looked good. Yes, he did. And jo- I think jo- Georgie, Georgie's a really good player. Yeah, yeah. Much Yanishvili. I love that name. Uh, but yeah, yeah he's a hell of a player. He's been a great pl- He was a pl- good player in the season. He was there before Kofi got to Illinois. You know. It's luck, lucky for them that he was, you know, feeling it in that game. Because I honestly think if Georgie wasn't on his game in that first half, then Baylor probably runs away with it a little sooner and ends up this ends up being, you know, a twenty-plus point win for them. Because, but I think you know, when you put yourself in those positions and your, you know, your better players aren't on the court, I think that that's really kind of hamstringing you right away. And you know, in general, I think Illinois kind of needs to polish up a lot of the game. I think. You know, Io to Sumner, he, you know, Io looked kind of shaky against Baylor. I think they really, you know, I think the entire offense really didn't look great against Baylor. Baylor really locked down the offense against them. I think this is kind of a good, like, heat check game for Illinois just to kind of see, you know, where they are moving forward. Uh, I think something that really uh, stands out on the stat sheet really is when you look at the second half of the game and them getting out-rebounded 20-10 to 10, and yeah. Baylor forced twice as many turnovers... Um, I mean, you, you've really got to keep the momentum going from the first half. You need to be a second-half team, you know? It's, it's a two-half game. Yeah, I think that, uh, and that's well said, because I think a big key was the, I mean, there was clearly a, a big difference in uh, the first half and the second half. Um, and for the first half, or the first half of the second half, a little tongue twister there, I thought that, I was like, oh my gosh, they might win this game. You know, they were they were starting to hit some shots. They were, you know, the the bench was fired up. Um, it was back and forth constantly. Yeah, Io kind of came a little bit to life mm-hmm. in that like little stretch there. I mean, uh, yeah, I think he had gotten like I think he had back to back buckets, and you know, yeah. everyone got a little fired up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the biggest thing was I think they couldn't really get a run going on offense you know we we knew that this was going to be a a dog fight you know these two teams their strengths are defense and, and that was shown Illinois um, I think one thing that like I said earlier they need to do better is they have to be precise from the line um, they, you know they were 10 for 16 you can't you cannot miss that many free throws because I know this ended up being a 13 point game but if you were going to be a top contender for the national title 
those are things you have to improve on. I expect nothing less than 13 or 14 of 16. Um, for that, and that's just that's how it should be um, if you're going to be the top team in the country. I think another thing is, um, like you said, Jack, 12 turnovers. I mean, you can't – That's the, and the, here's the good thing. It's early in the season. This is a very young team. Um, Baylor's a little bit more of an experienced team. So 12 turnovers, that's going to happen. You're going to have games where you have mental lapses it's a, or where you make mistakes. So, like I said, that's going to happen. Um, the defense overall, I thought, looked pretty decent. Um, the the Illini and the Bears both shot pretty equally. Um, you know, the only difference was the Bears had a short stint there, like a five-minute stint in the second half where they really boosted that lead. And you could tell, I think Illini, the Illini looked pretty flat-footed in that time period. And... Baylor was controlling everything in the paint, and that's really what killed them um, was that lapse right there. So overall, I didn't think the Illini played bad. I thought they played pretty decent. They held their own for most of the game, like I said, and if you can start correcting some of those mistakes, which they will, they're a good enough team that they will correct those mistakes, this is still going to be a really good team this season. Um, Another interesting thing, too, is... uh Illinois only had two players uh, in double figures that game. You know, Kofi Coburn only had seven points and four rebounds. And really, that's a guy that he's got a lot of pressure. You know, he needs to, he's, there's a lot that's being expected out of him. Um, and I think Illinois maybe needs to play a little bit better as a team as a whole. I mean, when you have, when you have only two players in double digits, you know, how many, how many times do you think you're going to win a game when only two of your guys are in double digits? Especially you know? against the number two team in the country also. And Baylor, Baylor had, you know, four guys that were in double digits. I mean, that's almost an entire starting lineup. They were also uh, outscored 24 to 7 pretty handily uh, on second chance points. So it really just sh- goes to show like you've got to win on the glass. You you've really got to get boards, you got to be bringing the ball down and you need you need more second chance points. Yeah, and I think that you know, we've looked at, you know, examining Big 10 play so far. Right now in the AP top 10, there's four teams from the Big 10. Uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State. Now, Wisconsin got upset yesterday, um, so they'll drop. They'll probably still be in the top ten. Iowa. Did you see the finish to that game, phenomenal. by the way? Absolutely Insane. phenomenal. The, the buzzer beater tip-in off the free yeah. Yeah, That was awesome. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Iowa, Luca Garza is looking ridiculously good right now. Um, they have their first test this week um, against North Carolina. Um, you know, Illinois has Duke this week. Michigan State has Virginia this week. Um, let's see. I'm not sure if Wisconsin. I can't think of any big games that Wisconsin has this week. But my question to you, Nathan, is: Do you think that you know? Is this? Are any of these teams, or maybe one of the teams I didn't mention, are going to maybe kind of pull away, or maybe two of them pull away, or is this going to be a conference that is just going to be teams picking each other apart and down to the wire with you know a handful of teams? You know, you kind of alluded to two of them pulling away, and I kind of think that Iowa and Illinois will eventually kind of separate themselves a little bit from that pack. You know, uh, Iowa's pretty interesting to watch. I think they have, you know, one of the most interesting guys in Luca Garza in all of basketball right now. I, you know, he's so big and he can really score. Uh, I think Iowa's going to be, you know, really tough competition for Illinois in this conference. And Illinois, you know, like... Like we've kind of mentioned already, they are they have the talent. They are a really strong team, 
and it's kind of hard to get a good read on them because they've only played some really bad teams and then one of the best teams in the country. So it's kind of hard to truly know like where the you know the mean or the median of their game is right now. You kind of saw them struggle against an Ohio team, but that was that Ohio team was being you know willed by a point guard who scored almost you know thirty five points, I believe, in that game. And you know, I think Illinois and Iowa are those teams to lift ahead. I, you know, I watched Michigan State play a really ugly game against Detroit Mercy yesterday, and that was. You know, not enjoyable to watch. Apparently, Tom Izzo is only two and three against Detroit Mercy, which is a really interesting bogey stat for a team that you know I have never heard of Detroit Mercy University basketball until yesterday. Keep in mind, though, <laughs> and and while Michigan State did not play very well in that game, Detroit Mercy did play very well. They, I mean, I had no idea who they were, and I was impressed with how well they played for a team that had Mercy in their in their <laughs> school name. I mean. So while that is, I mean, it's not very a, a really a good um, win. I mean, a win's a win, but also, yeah, uh, I was kind of impressed with how well the they played. But keep in mind, just the, two days ago, Michigan State absolutely dominated Duke um, at, at Cameron. So while there's no fans, I mean, I mean, still it was on the road technically still, but I mean, who cares this year? But but still, hey, it's a win at Cameron Indoor Stadium. It is. It's Tom Izzo's, I think, first ever. But I tell you wow. what, they dominated. They looked really solid. Rocket Watts was phenomenal. Aaron Henry was great. Um, I'm really excited to see what Michigan State can do. And I, man, it's really hard for me to be able to tell if a team, there's going to be teams that pull away. I think that, you know, I don't count out Tom Izzo. Um, the Spartans have been a team that they're there every year. And, you know, whether they have the the talent or not, they just always find themselves back in the conversation for that. So I would be very surprised if this didn't go down to the wire with all of these teams being within a game or two of each other. Uh, the one team that I might see slipping out, and it's a bit of a hot take here, but I think Iowa, I think their defense is a little bit suspect. And you fear with a guy that is as good as uh, Luca Garza, you fear that your offense becomes one-dimensional and then you become really easy to stop. So it'll be really interesting to see how Iowa kind of navigates, but they definitely need to step it up defensively, and I'm waiting for them to play some legitimate competition. Speaking of legitimate competition, today, big matchup, 1v2, Gonzaga, Baylor. Who do you guys have in this one? I say I, I personally think that Gonzaga still just looks, you know, too dangerous to be, you know, I, I think that to knock them off of that top spot right now, yeah, I think, you know, they're they're a bit. Baylor played, you know, against a good shooting Illinois team. Played very well against a good shooting Illinois team. But Gonzaga shoots better than Illinois. You know, Corey Kispert's been on fire from deep this year. And whenever if Jalen Suggs is actually fully healthy, they're definitely the most dynamic team in college basketball for me. You know. Baylor bullied the Illinois Illinois on defense. I think if they can kind of force Gonzaga into that kind of one-dimensional game, where I kind of think Illinois' offensive troubles on against Baylor were partly due to Io trying to heat up and Io trying to find himself in the offense and kind of slowing things down a little bit for himself. But if Baylor can kind of force Gonzaga and force Jalen Suggs maybe into that kind of same game, that might level out the playing field. 
I still think Gonzaga will take this game, but it'll be you know probably a fun game, probably one of the most fun games of the basketball season, or at least hopefully. Yeah, I agree. I think that Gonzaga's going to win this one. I mean, you look at the competition in college basketball, and usually in recent years, I feel like there hasn't really been a, t- a singular team within the last couple of years that has said, I am clearly the top team in the country. Even, you know, going back to Zion Williamson and Duke, I mean, they were phenomenal, but I don't think, you know, they were clearly better than everyone else, and they proved that when they lost in the Elite Eight to my Spartans. Um, but I think that, you know, you look at this Gonzaga team, Gonzaga's always a, have been a team that has, you know, the the solid deep rotation of guys, you know, you're going to have those those fifth-year seniors, those those deep guys, You're they're not really a one-and-done school. And, they you know, they've, they've had a couple of those, but consistently that's not really who they are. And this year... They have an absolutely loaded freshman lineup. Uh, you know, Jalen Suggs is, you know, coming in as one of the best freshmen in the country. They've never had a guy like that that can perform to that level. So it's going to be, it, I mean, to seeing what they have done this year against competition, a rebuilding Auburn team, beating them by, um, you know, over 20. Um, and then, you know, without Suggs beating um, the number 11 uh, West Virginia and then n- making light work almost of number six Kansas. So, for me, it's really hard to pick against the Gonzaga team that's playing so well right now. I'm really looking forward to it today. Real quick, Jack, what who you got? Uh, I'm going to take Gonzaga. I think they just need to look at the Illinois game and say, all right, let's not make the mistakes they did. Let's win on the boards. Let's get second chance points. And I think Gonzaga will be be able to win this uh, pretty comfortably. Yeah, I, and I don't know. How, it's gonna be, I'm really looking forward to this one. Definitely going to be watching it. I'm hoping to see just some good basketball today. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Take It or Leave It. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show. Take it. Leave it. Leave it. Take it. Leave it. Take it. It's Take It or Leave It on the WLCA Sports Show. Here we go. Take it or leave it. Let's get started. First one, take it or leave it. Two or more Big Ten teams will hold one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Jack, what do you got? I'm leaving that. I think maybe one of them. Uh, I could see Michigan State doing it, and I could see Illinois doing it, but I can't see Wisconsin or Iowa doing it. Um, But I can't see both Illinois and Michigan State taking one seeds. I'm going to leave this also. I could see any four of those teams doing it, Um, but I, mm, I, I, it's tough to say with how loaded college basketball is this year. In college basketball, there's it's always a question mark on who's going to be the top four teams. I think we could both we could all agree that Gonzaga Baylor have probably a very good chance of locking up two of those spots, even with it being early in the season. Um, the other two are kind of up for grabs right now, I think. Um, but I think the Big Ten will grab one of those, um, but not two. Two, two's a, is a high number um, at, for when it comes to only four teams. Nathan, how about you? Yeah, I have to agree. I'm going to also leave it, and I think y'all kind of nailed it on the head already. You know, one team I think is, I wouldn't say a lock, but I think is probably the, you know, result depending on how much they beat the crap out of each other during the Big Ten season. But yeah, I think one team can, but two teams definitely cannot. Next one, take it or leave it. Either rock, either the Rockets or Wizards don't make the playoffs in 2021. And I know we kind of talked about this earlier. Um, are you guys both still going to? Are you leaving this? Yeah, I'm. I'm leaving it. I think. I think the Rockets will probably be a three or four seed in the West, and the Wizards are going to sneak in. I mean, the East, 
while the East is good, it's not um, loaded right now, kind of like the West is. The West is pretty top heavy. I think the East is is the 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 skill is very evenly uh, distributed. So I'll, I I could see both of those teams uh, making the playoffs without question. Nathan, you leaving it also? Yeah, I am leaving it. Uh, like I kind of said, I think the Wizards will climb up, you know, seven or six seed, and I think you know Rockets will be comfortably in the playoffs. I'm taking it. The uh, you know it's. It's it's a little bit iffy um, because the Wizards are a team that could sneak in there. But if you look at the teams right now that made it last year in the Eastern Conference, who are you taking out of that? You could are I don't even remember who the eighth seed was last year. But I mean the teams that the, was it the the Wizards <laughs> got in. No, no, I'm saying oh. whoever the eighth seed was, we can't even remember them. Oh, so take yeah, them yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Well, now you have a team like the Atlanta Hawks who have gotten so much better this year. The Charlotte Hornets are going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, and the Wizards are right there in that conversation for talk to squeeze in there. I think you could argue probably the in the team that, you know, when you go through all of them, you got the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics, the Raptors are probably the top four. And then you the add Nets. The, oh, yeah, the Nets. Duh, okay. Yeah. And that's an, adding in another one. So now you have five really solid teams. And then, you know, um, you got the Pacers. And then you kind of have those uh, those those four teams that I said. So it's really going to be an, a battle of who can get it in there. But, you know, I'm going to take it just to oppose both of you. <laughs> Next one, take it or leave it. The Blues reverse retro jersey is the worst jersey the Blues will have ever worn up to this point. Nathan? Ooh, this is a tough one. I mean, I like the reverse retro jersey personally because I think it's you know, kind of goofy. I kind of like the goofiness. I, I mostly like it because it is a reference to the city colors of the St. Louis flag. And that's this is the first time that the Blues have kind of really leaned into that in the same way like the Cardinals do. And now the, the soccer team is going to. We got the St. Louis Reds out here. Yeah. Hey, whatever. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going... I really don't like this jersey. Um, not at all. <laughs> But I am I going. I think they've had worse jerseys. That's what I was going to say. Um, I am going to leave it. It, <laughs> it makes me laugh thinking about it. But imagine if they would have used those like 1996 jerseys. You know what I'm talking about, Nathan Tucker? Yeah. I mean, if they would have used those, then good Lord. That I mean. I, if I don't know if you guys know the older Blues jerseys, the like eight, the, the ones in the 1980s, they had like a really small blue note on them, and then it said blues across the top of the blue note. I, I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures before. I did not see those in... It, it's not a great jersey, and I would say, like, if I had to choose, I think the reverse retro jersey is a better jersey than the way the blues kind of mid-'80s jerseys I, looked. I would even say that the the ones I used from 2007 to 14... You know the oh, ones where yeah, they the, use that very the small. Arch. Yes, I, I didn't even. I, I didn't think those are very good jerseys. Not nah, so, the the bod having some stuff on the bottom is a really important thing for a hockey jersey. I, I feel mean, like the Blues jerseys right now phenomenal, beautiful yeah. jerseys. Love them. The alternates, both. I love both of the alternates, um, the retro and the Winter Classic one. However. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it. It's but a hard it's sell not a good for a, blue, a team called the Blues to wear the red. Yes, it, it's just yes. a hard sell. Uh, agreed. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna uh, leave it as well. I actually really like these jerseys. I think the oh only my gosh the only the only Get way here the only way you could see or that I can envision people getting mad about this is a Saint St. Louis is such a 
traditional city when it comes to sports. You know, sports are about yeah. tradition. It's about kind of following that status quo and, you know, taking a lot of pride in it. And I think times are changing, man. I think it's I think it's a really cool look. I think it's a new look. And I think it I think it's gonna be really well accepted by other hockey fans, maybe not blues fans though. That doesn't make sense. I agree with you, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Bad take. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think that peop- some people do kind of like that like more silly look. I mean, you look around some of these reverse retro jerseys around the league, uh, it's kind of clear that the league is embracing that silly factor. And I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with that. I just think that it probably could have been done. I, I don't know. It's The Blues really didn't have a lot of options Would for Would you it. have liked a yellow jersey That's instead what I'm of saying. a red you know, jersey? Someone was saying, you know, what if they did on a yellow jersey? And I'd, I think <laughs> yellow would be way ugly, so yeah, I'm kind of glad they I went agree. red. I <laughs> I think yellow would have been ugly. I mean, because what are you going to wear for your, your pants? Yellow also? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Red, red pants maybe? I don't know. So, I that, mean, that'd be even worse. That'd be really bad. I don't know. I, I, I kind of wondered if they would have done something kind of like the Winter Classic jersey, but... um white maybe you know kind of like what they wore back in like the 60s i would i was kind of intrigued to see if they would have ended up doing or that. maybe they do like a different color ver- like you know how you've seen some of these teams have like a great like the gray whalers jersey which has never True. you know existed before maybe they make like a you know different version of the winter classic jersey that's like a gray or like something like that but i mean imagine like 20 years down the road they do another reverse retro like i would love to see what they would do with the the 26th or the the that alternate jersey they used in the 2010s the navy one i would love to see oh, yeah, how, what yeah. they do with that because i love that jersey so much i think it's such a pretty jersey um so i don't know there, uh, yeah so we we can all agree that it's not the worst jersey but it's not the best jersey either i think um next one take it or leave it des bryant will lead the ravens in receiving to finish the season uh This is tough. I mean, I kind of want to take it just because Willie Sneed looks like he might miss a little time. But well, right now Marquise Brown is the receiving um, leader. Okay, Marquise Brown. Well, yeah, I'm just. I think that Willie Sneed's absence might help Des Bryant get some more yards and might you know make him you know put him in that conversation. I don't think he will lead the team, but I think he'll see a little bit more production. I don't either. I, I, I'm i leaving this. I just don't think that... I don't think it's likely that... He, I mean, he... Well, it's great that he's made the team and everything. He will get some snaps um, out there. I don't, I, I don't see him leading the team. When you're out of the league for that long, it just... It doesn't click that simply. So I'm going to leave it also. Uh, I'm going to leave it as well. I mean, when you have somebody who is as deadly as Hollywood Brown, who you can either put in the slot or line up on the outside, and he's going to beat whoever he's got on him either way. Um, I just can't see Dez uh, keeping up. Hollywood hasn't been that good this year, though. I still think I think I think he's underrated, man. I, I don't think, think Lamar has been that good that's this true. year. Very good point. Good point. <laughs> um, final one before we go to break real quick. This was um, our social media um, take it or leave it. The Cardinals hit... T- more than 200 home runs in 2021. They hit 210 in 2019. Um, for anyone that didn't know, to kind of compare, um, what are you guys thinking on this? Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I think I I leave it honestly. I don't think they're going to hit 200. They might come close, but I don't think they're going to get to 200. I'm leaving it as well. I don't think there's enough power one through nine in that lineup. Yeah. Goldschmidt's going to get you, and I mean, we really don't know what the outlook of the MLB season is going to be. That you yeah, know, there could too. be. COVID and all that stuff could still be running rampant. So I'm going to leave it also. 
uh, you know, you compare it to that 2019 team, and there's less power on this team than there was on that team. And that team, I think that team That's ended up being like something. 20 or 21st as far as like home runs go in the league. So getting to 200, it's a stretch. Our listeners agree 80%, an overwhelming amount, 80% um, said that they were leaving that one also. So Good job. Our our listeners agree with us. You can <laughs> we still agree vote. with our loyal audience. You can still go vote on the um, WLCA Sports Twitter page at Sports WLCA. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be int- it'll be very interesting to see how this Cardinal team ends up this year. And there's definitely a lot to talk about with that. But all for a different week. We are going to take a quick break. It is time for college football talk. Mike Lemons will be on when we come back. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. We are now joined by our favorite guest on the sports show. Can't really even call him a guest anymore. Hot favorite? He, I favorite? Mean, he, he's, he's literally on every week. So, I mean, Mike Lemons, college football aficionado, our station manager. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? It's a beautiful, sunny day. Good day for college football. Isn't it funny? I, I feel like the... The it's beautiful for college football kind of like goes off with the weather. Like, you know, when we have the crap weather, it tends to not be as exciting of days of college football. But I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good day. There's not really any top tier matchups, but there, it's just a, a these are games that I could watch all day and beat. And I think they could end up going down to the wire. Sure. A lot of them. There, there are some interesting matchups today and some things to keep an eye on for sure. One real quick before we kind of get into it and start our, our talk. I'm very intrigued to see what Michigan State will do against the Buckeyes. I know they're not good. <laughs> I am right? not. But I'm, I know they're not good, but hey, they, they ended up somehow beating Northwestern last week, so it'll be interesting to see if Ohio State, how well they perform. And I'm just intrigued to watch it. Not saying that Michigan State's going to pull off the upset because God knows if they do that, then the world will fall apart. But I'm, I'm intrigued to watch it. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that ends up. I'm not quite sure how interesting of a game that will be. All right. Well, you know what? You can just you can shut up. So let's get into it. So for the fourth straight week now, the top seven has stayed the same besides Clemson and Ohio State flipping once in there. Everything has stayed the same. It's been kind of boring, honestly. Um, Mike, are we likely to see any change this week? Uh, you know, it's kind of a loaded question, and it'd probably give my picks away. Um But I think we very well could see a change this week because I think one of those top seven could lose. Uh huh. All right. Well, so I do think I do think there will be some change. So really, if you look at it, though, you know, Alabama is going to beat LSU. Agreed. Yes. Notre Dame is going to beat Syracuse. Agreed. Yes. Yes. Clemson shouldn't have a problem with Virginia Tech. Agreed. Correct. Yep. Florida is going to beat Tennessee, who I think is starting a freshman quarterback today. Yes. No problem. And Cincinnati is game was canceled. So that leaves the Ohio State game and the Texas A&M game. So those two games are the one that I think are really, really interesting today. Let's start with the A&M. They're playing an Auburn team uh, that, remember, was ranked in the top 10 when the season started. Now, granted, they've had an off year. Uh, Bo Nix is kind of disappointed this year. Uh, I think he has 10 TD, almost as many picks as he does TDs. Uh, but he That's has a solid Right. He has historically played better at home. Um, you know, Auburn 
did get beat by South Carolina. How do you explain that when when A&M crushed him? Uh, but some of A&M's play has been a little lethargic. I mean, last week, LSU was in that game. The game was only 20-7. to LSU's been horrible. So um, that game, and then they opened the season by only scoring 14 on Vandy. And I don't think they've had any real big blowout wins. I mean, they've been by double digits. But um, I just, I'm not sure how good they are. Um, so this one is intriguing to me. So... If you had AM lose today, that would definitely change the top seven. Agreed? Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because I so, mean the only reason that AM is in the top five, while they are a one loss team and you know they but they beat Florida, that's the only reason that they are at number five. But if if, right. if they don't beat Florida, they're a two loss team and what they're maybe a top ten team, but Cincinnati's at uh six and Florida's at five, correct? Uh, I would think so, yes. And then if you want to go, well, hold on. Let me let me talk about the next game, and then we'll go back to it. But the next game that is kind of intriguing is Ohio State and Michigan State. Now, just like you said earlier, Michigan State sen- seems to get up for these games, and then they'll lose the ones they should win. Facts. Ohio State is fearful. They have to play this game. And they're without their head coach. Um, the, the player list just got released on who's out. Three offensive line starters are out. Two starters on defense are out today. Now, should that matter? No, you would think that you would still handle Michigan State. The line is still in the 20s, I believe. So, and then keeping this in mind, I think Ohio State needs to try to make a huge statement today because they may not have another game. You know, Michigan had to cancel this week because of COVID concerns. What does that mean for next week's game against Ohio State? And keep in mind, Ohio State needs both of these games in order to make the Big Ten Championship. And I think they need that Big Ten Championship in order to get into the playoffs. So this game today, I think Ohio State has to play, has to play really, really well. But they are a little bruised. And Michigan State, like you said, this is a game where they tend to rise up. So those two games I'm looking at it. So four and five, um, I think Ohio State will win. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down there. We don't want to give away our picks, okay? <laughs> okay Easy but, there. But, but but let's okay, let's do this then. All right. So let's say AM loses. Then yes, Florida goes up to six, seven, uh Cincinnati goes to six, right? Yes. Florida is likely to lose. I shouldn't say that. Florida has a good shot of losing against Alabama in the <laughs> SEC championship game. Agreed? Yes. Fairly sure, yeah. Which I think could could kick them out of the playoffs. Now, all of a sudden, Cincinnati is five. Right? Uh-oh. What if Ohio State cannot make it to the Big Ten Championship because they don't have enough games? Do you think Michigan is going to move mountains to ensure that Ohio State gets a game so <laughs> they get into the Big Ten Championship? No, well, it depends how bad they so. want Jim Harbaugh I, to stay in Michigan. I, and I don't. Well, guess what? He's not going to win that game if they play anyway. So <laughs> I, I'm not saying that they would they would tank, but what motivation do they have to put their players through potential harm with the COVID because they had to cancel today's game just so Ohio State has enough games to play in the Big Ten Championship? I don't I don't see that happening. Could they hurry up and schedule one of those games that they hadn't scheduled? Maybe, but this is not like you know the Pac-12 where they've allowed you to play out of your conference to pick up a game. So. I think I just just showed the path on how Cincinnati gets into the playoffs. I think you did. So <laughs> let's let's go back now to Texas A&M, and then we'll because the 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 talk was a little bit um, all over, it wasn't on one team. So I'm kind of like, uh, which one should we talk about now? So let's go okay. Texas A&M. All right, let's go okay. keys to the game. 
Texas A&M Auburn. What does Texas A&M have to do to make sure that they are still looking at at least a five spot after this week? They have to not look past this game. They have to realize that this is probably one of their toughest tests, I think. Um, Mond is going to have to play a little bit better. He didn't play all that great last week against LSU. Um, For Auburn, I think you need to score early. And I think you continue to do that and you stay in the game like LSU did. I think Auburn has the ability to remain in that game to where LSU didn't last week against A&M. So um, Mond has to play better. They have to score early. Auburn has to score early. Rattle Mond like he was last week early on. Those are the keys, I believe, for those two teams. I mean, Mike Mike said it pretty well there. I mean, Kellen Mond has to step up. I mean, last week was atrocious against LSU. Not that well was an understatement. I mean, he was 11 for 34 for 105 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. His longest pass of the game was 18 yards. I mean, he he looked really bad. Very out of character for him. He looked really, yeah, especially this season. He's been playing incredible this season. Um and he just he he looked really bad, and he needs to step up this week because Auburn is no joke. Yeah, and and th- and that's the thing is you know Auburn's one of those teams you're, it's kind of what are you going to get from them? I think we all knew what was going to happen last week. Roll Tide, baby. Um, but this this game is a lot more doable for for Auburn because you look at the difference between Alabama and Texas A and M. Well, just look at the score from that game. I think that we could both all agree that it's probably still very similar in talent level between those two teams. However, you this is a game that, like you said, Mike, Auburn could win this game. Um, and I think that, like you said, Bo Nix has to play a clean game um, in order for Auburn to have a chance in this game. And I think it's, honestly, you could say uh, the same thing for Kellen Mond. So I think that it might end up coming down to the team that has less turnovers might win this game. Yeah, and, and one big key that I, that I left out, I think, is how well does Auburn come back after the beating they got last week? Are they discouraged or do they come back and you know what? We can kind of salvage a season that's not been great. We're five and three. We've not lived up to expectations. And today we can make noise. Today we can beat a team that's trying to vie for uh, the playoffs. Is so, this their senior day? Uh, you know, I don't know. If it is, then that could also... I'm not sure if it is. But if yes, it, is, it that, is, that see, that so that could also be another kind of driving factor. You know, last game played, Bo Nix, I mean, never know. So that could also be a little bit of fire under the uh, under the kettle um, for the Auburn Tigers. Um, you know, now moving on to Ohio State. Nathan, I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about this, and then Michael um, ask you the same thing. So if Ohio State is to win out, could you make an argument that they still aren't worthy of a playoff spot? You know, I personally think that uh, OSU is still a playoff team, even in that situation. Uh, you know, I think that winning out, even though it's kind of, I would say, a little less impressive than what some other teams are doing right now, especially, you know, I look at those, you know, we're gonna, we'll probably talk about it a little bit, but I look at BYU and Coastal Carolina with two teams have done completely out of nowhere going 9-0 and undefeated. And then you look at Ohio State who, I mean, Ohio State is a better team than those teams are, but their season has just not been that impressive, really. I think their wins have been good. I think, you know, some people might not give Indiana full credit for that game. I think Ohio State, you know, survived a really tough game against Indiana. Yeah. I mostly just don't see enough of an argument. You know, granted, everything kind of holds steady 
and you know Ohio State's game isn't canceled next week and they actually do get to play Michigan uh, I don't see if there's enough to convince like a committee to pick uh, any other team over Ohio State in the playoff there Mike how about you yeah, I agree. You know, if Ohio State were able to play next week and then play in the Big Ten Championship and win that game, I, I think they're in, I, no matter if it's ugly or not. Yeah. I, I think the only argument you can make is that if they can't play next week and there is no Big Ten Championship game for them. And, and you might say, okay, what about teams after? What about a one-loss A&M? Or what about Florida? Well, Florida had their chance to beat a big boy, and they lost. You know? A&M had a chance to beat somebody, and they lost. Yeah. So give someone else who hasn't had a chance to do that to be in there. So if Ohio State plays all their games and they went out, Ohio State's in the top four. So that leads to my next question. What if today Ohio State lays an egg, wins on you know a, a last drive, or wins by a, a, a touchdown, single possession, and A&M just absolutely wipes out Auburn? Is there any change in the four spot? I don't think so. I don't think so. Just because I think that you still look at an undefeated team against a one-loss team, and it's Ohio State we're talking about. We're not talking about a non-Power 5. So I think they win this game, and they play next week and win, and they win the Big Ten. I I don't care how it looks. I think they're in. And Mike made a great point there about the Power 5 thing. If this is uh, undefeated BYU in that spot, who then, you know, goes through that same process, they, you know, Texas A&M, you know, beating the tar out of Auburn today would probably push them ahead. But being Ohio State and being, you know, just that program, being a Big Ten team that's undefeated still, I think that keeps them in just by default, basically. I I think I probably agree with that. And I want to move on now to the, um, before we go to break for a couple minutes now, um, this week, kind of a last minute excitement um, added to uh, this week's games. BYU, um, you know, replacing Liberty. And good, hey, kudos to BYU for trying to spice up their schedule a little bit. Facing number 18, Coastal Carolina, two of the only 9 0 teams left um, in college football. They might be two of three, I think, actually. I'm not I think Bama's 8 0. So, um, you know, I'm curious, Mike, if BYU is to win this game, we've seen that there's been quite a separation between BYU and Cincinnati for that playoffs, you know, in, in the playoff spot. If BYU wins today, do they kind of jump up and even themselves out with Cincinnati? No, they don't. Here, let's go. First of all, it's really cool how soon how soon this game came together, right? I mean, you think about it. These are major schools. This is a major sport. And for midweek, for you to flip the script and be able to take this game, kudos for both teams for making it happen. BYU to want to try to face uh, someone a little, you know, that's ranked to strengthen their schedule. You know, Coastal Carolina taking that game. ESPN Game Day was already scheduled to be there when they were playing Liberty. Yeah. So part of me says that's why this happened as well, right? Coastal Carolina gets on the national stage and all of a sudden they don't have a game to play. That was probably a little bit of extra motivation for them to take this game. So kudos for both teams for making this happen. Um, but as cool as this game is to happen, I'm excited to watch it. I, I think this game is for a New Year's Six Bowl at best. And Coastal Carolina is going to have to have help even if they win this game. Because I think with the New Year's Six Bowl, you take the highest ranking or the highest or the best uh, non-Power 5 champion they get in the game. Right now, that looks like that's going to be Cincinnati if they don't make it into the Final Four. So that's why I say it's a New Year's Six, playing for New Year's Six Bowl at best. Uh, I don't think either one of them 
especially Coastal Carolina, but really neither one of them have a chance at the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think that even a convincing win versus Coastal Carolina is enough for the no. committee for the committee to move them what five six spots up. Um, you know, while Coastal Carolina is a solid schedule ad, as we said, that's I mean genius on BYU's part. There's a reason that they're still ranked 18th. I mean, they haven't really played anyone this season. Um, you know, they, you could argue they're a great non-Power 5 team, but that's exactly what they are, a great non-Power as, 5 team. As there's a reason why BYU is only ranked 13th. Exactly. I mean, and, yeah. and it, but it will be interesting to see, you know, if, if BYU is to dominate, how much will the committee recognize that and say, okay, they just had a great win or a solid win over a, a, an undefeated ranked team? Where how, how high do we you know move them up? I think a great question mark will be: Well, you have number twelve Indiana, number sixteen Wisconsin playing also this week. Depending on who wins that game, if Indiana wins that game, then you can't move them past Indiana. But if Indiana and, loses, does Wisconsin jump over BYU in that? So that's also a very interesting question. Well, Indiana is without Penix today too. So I mean, oh, I fully see. Was, I, I see Wisconsin winning that game. So I, I think there's an opportunity for them to move up. And you know, Iowa State might have a little trouble with with uh, West Virginia today too. So yeah, I think if they win big, there's a uh, there's a strong chance to move up just because I think there are some tight games uh, um, among teams that are ranked ahead of them. Real quick before we go to break, Jack, what you got? I think for BYU to move at all, they need two of the top 10 teams to lose today. So like an Iowa State and a Texas A&M. Um, that's for them if they even want to move into the top ten. But I don't. I don't think there's really any other implications other than New Year's Six, like Mike said. Now I don't. I don't. I don't think if A and M loses, I don't think BYU leaps them. I, I really yeah. don't. Um, maybe Iowa State they could leapfrog, or in Indiana they could leapfrog. Um, and the committee has shown that you know even like a two loss Georgia is right now what an eight or nine. That, you right. know, they have shown that they think that Georgia, even with how bad they played lately, is a better team than an undefeated BYU. You know, when I look at the top eight, I'm comfortable with the top eight. You know, I, I have a little question about Iowa State at nine. I really have question about Miami at ten. <laughs> yeah. What's but, wrong with Miami at ten? <laughs> All right. We don't want to hear it from you. <laughs> you saw that coming. You knew exactly what you were doing, Mike Levins. I, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But but it is a it is a good it is very intriguing to see how the nine through sixteen will move around this week depending on how games end up going. So I am intrigued uh, to see that. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have our picks for this week's games. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show on eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. It is time for our picking time. Let's get it. First one, the only unranked matchup that we are going to be talking about today, and that is simply because they are technically considered one of the local teams, even though they're like two and a half hours away. The Missouri Tigers facing off against the Arkansas Razorbacks. That is in Columbia and is, what is that? What's the trophy for that one? Someone help me with it. It's like the for the one for the state line or whatever. You know, does anyone help me out with this? There are so many trophies that I don't. Yeah, I don't apparently know, it, Mizzou it, and South Carolina have a trophy now. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, what? Know, are you like kidding the, me? Is, is it like the boot heel or something? I don't know. Uh, Probably. I j- just looked it up really quick. It is the battle line. Oh, it, okay. All right. So, yeah. I mean, I. oh, you're right. Because the trophy is literally like <laughs> it's the, the two states. states. Yeah. And it's like the. Oh, gosh. What, what the heck? I mean, you got. I guess you have to give those teams that 
do nothing something like when you know recruiting comes hey we beat our rival and won this big old thing. Yeah. Hey, hey don't besperge the uh, great Big Ten trophies like the little brown dr- jug and the Lincoln right. top. It, re- it reminds me of, uh, you know, Michigan State beating Michigan and they get whatever, uh, the Paul Bunyan um, trophy or whatever. You know, I guess like yeah. that's literally all that Michigan State has going for them. Hey, we beat Michigan. We beat the one and four Michigan Wolverines this year. Yeah. <laughs> We're two and three, so I'm. Yeah, I don't know. Put it in the trophy case. All right, so who you got in this one, Mike? I've got Mizzou. I like the way they're playing, and I know that Arkansas is better this year. This game is at home. I like Mizzou. I'll I'll take Mizzou. I'm gonna go with Mizzou also. Um, I, like you said, I like the way they're playing. They looked great against the worst team in Power Five college football last week, Vanderbilt. Um, and the, I mean, of course, the headline of that game wasn't uh, Mizzou winning that game. But, I mean, it wasn't a very exciting game. The most exciting part was Sarah Fuller getting in there. But, uh, yeah, I think that Mizzou ends up winning this game. Jack, how about you? I think Mizzou is going to win it as well. It's two um, first-year head coaches, so it'll be an interesting matchup. But I, I really like what Drinkwitz has been doing uh, with, with uh, Missouri. As do I. Nathan Tucker? Yeah, and you said for you mentioned first-year coaches. This is actually Barry Odom's first return to Columbia since taking over at Arkansas. I hope we destroy and, him. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it'll be a close one. I think it'll be, you know, kind of interesting. I think Mizzou still has the power to win, you know. They're really fresh. You know, they probably had the easiest SEC football game you could possibly ask for against Vanderbilt. Uh, They've won three of their last four. They're actually, you know, hitting a good stride of their season this year. I think they have the offense to beat the Razorbacks. Next. Can we we make a note about that game, too? Which one? About about Fuller. The... the, Yeah, what's up? Right. A lot of people were criticizing because her kick didn't go that far. Realize that that's what they asked her to do. They Is that what they asked do, her to do? They asked her to do a squib kick. And yeah, she weird, like sideline squib kick. Yeah. And she executed it perfectly. I'd, so, okay, that's, yeah, good for her. Um, and, and let's keep in mind, too, she didn't have a chance to come in the rest of the game because there were no field goal opportunities, and they didn't score, so she couldn't kick off again. Well, so, my, my question is, what's the mindset behind squibbing it right there? I don't understand the point of squibbing it there. What was the mindset between all of Vanderbilt's play calling? <laughs> yeah, that, that is a very good point. Very good point. Let's yeah, but it just on. wasn't. It wasn't a horrible kick. It was. It was a. An it was planned. Yeah. Yes. It could have gone way worse. I mean, she could have kicked it out of bounds. She kept it in bounds. Yeah. It was. It was impressive. I've. We have spent too much time talking about Mizzou, Arkansas. Um, I feel like it's deja vu to like Illinois. Ours talk about Illinois a few weeks ago. And how do we talk this long about Illinois? Um, next matchup, Oklahoma State at TCU. This could potentially be an interesting one. We saw a TCU team knock off Texas earlier in the year. Are they able to get another upset win today, Mike? You know what? They very well could. And I, this is the one I struggled with mostly today. I was like, hmm, which one do I take here? You know, I think TCU could, you could win at home. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to change my pick from what I have highlighted here. I'm going to move my pick from Ohio State or Oklahoma State to TCU. As am I. I am doing that right now, too. You know why? Because I don't know if there's really any big upsets that are in here for the remainder. So why not? I mean... Oklahoma State has not been impressive within the last few weeks. They had a nice little win last. No, that was Iowa State that beat that beat Texas last week. Nope, they haven't really been impressive as of recent games. So, I mean, it seems like the perfect game for TCU to steal. How about you, uh, Jack? I think uh, 
I don't see Oklahoma State losing this game because there's implications for a Big 12 championship potentially uh, for them. I think Tylen Wallace is going to be a really big factor, but I think I think uh, Oklahoma State's going to win this game. Nathan? Yeah, I agree with Jack here. I think Oklahoma State wins this one. You know, they gave up a lot of points against Texas Tech, but, you know, their pass defense was solid. I think they only allowed about, like, somewhere south of 40% of Texas Tech's passes to be successful that week. So, you know, the score is big, but they actually played a pretty decent game defensively. And I think they can lock down a TCU pass offense, which is on and off stagnant. And... Yeah, I think Oklahoma State can pull out this game by probably a touchdown or two. Next matchup, number 12, Indiana at number 16, Wisconsin. Man, this I'm so disappointed because this would have been one of the most the best games of the week, if not the best, if it wasn't uh, for uh, Michael Penix getting injured. But he got injured. So I, I, can we all agree with a um, conclusive yes um, due to time constraints that Wisconsin is going to win this game? Yes? Yes. 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 All right, cool. Let's move on. Next matchup, number four, Ohio State facing off against Michigan State. This one is in East Lansing. Um, Who do you got in this one, Jack? I think Ohio State's going to win this game, but I wouldn't write off Michigan State. I mean, Ohio State's defense has been a little bit suspect at times this year. And Michigan State, although inconsistent, when they're on, they're on. And I mean, if they're on, they're, they're, they're not a team to be messed with. But yeah. I think I think Ohio State's still going to win this game. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I like Ohio State, too. I think they can fix some of the problems that they had. Uh, you know, turnovers like crazy is something that happened. But you, today, I think, knowing what's at stake, knowing that they may not play next week, um, I think they'll overcome those injuries today, and I think they'll beat Sparty. I agree. I think that they will uh, win this one today. Um, as much as it pains me to say it, um, I would not put a single dollar on the Spartans to win any game this year. Um, so Ohio State in this one, I think they probably end up winning it by um, a f- two or three possessions probably. How about you, Nathan? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I think you know, Justin Fields had a bit of a tough day against Indiana, and I think this will be a good game for him to kind of get back on the horse and you know try to... <laughs> I don't necessarily, he's probably not in the Heisman uh, discussion anymore, but he wants to get a good game and stay, you know, in the top QB kind of conversation. I, you know, I don't see this being close. I think it'll be Ohio State by three or four scores. Keep in mind in that Indiana game, and I did not, I have given them cl- plenty of flack about that, but they have also, you know, it, they're playing almost every other week at this point, and it's hard to get into a flow when you're when you aren't playing consistently. So keep that in mind. Also, next matchup, number six, Florida at Tennessee. Mike, who you got? You know, I like Florida. Tennessee is struggling. I, I think I heard they're starting a, a freshman quarterback today, so uh, I, I'm not sure on that. But um, yeah, Florida. You know, it's a team I've never really been that big on, and I don't think they're a top four team. Um, that's why six is, you know, and it's not going to matter once they play in the SEC championship anyway. But they are a good team. The line's 17 and a half, and I don't think they have a problem with that. Yeah, I think Florida's going to win this game pretty easily. They have the killer Kyles and Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe Kyle Pitts will do what he did a few weeks ago and just absolutely go off. It'll be interesting. But I think uh, Florida's definitely going to win this game pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. I think that Florida's the better team um i think this is this is a great game where kyle trask has an opportunity to pad stats and convince everyone that he's the heisman favorite even though we that that arguments for a different day um but yeah florida wins this one 
easily. How about you, Nathan? Yeah, I think uh, Florida's main concern here is that their defense can, at times, let teams just stay in games a little too long and almost makes everyone else's job a little harder. But, yeah, like you said, I think Kyle Trask is making his best Heisman case possible. I don't think Tennessee's offense is enough to truly worry Florida's defense to that great of an extent, especially if they are starting a rookie quarterback. You know, I hope Florida wins this game by a ton, and then maybe, maybe we have some hope that they can put up some points against Alabama in the SEC championship game. You know, it's funny we talked about at the beginning of the year. <clears throat> excuse me, um, Auburn being a top ten team. Tennessee was a top what fifteen team in the country also at the beginning of the year. You know, and I, I'm sure Eli Drinkwitz, looking back at it, is really cringing over that bad loss to Tennessee because that that just hurts. Uh, you know, losing a game that badly against a team that's that bad now. Um, but, I mean, nothing you can do for him at this point. But uh, next, a matchup, uh, West Virginia facing off against number 9, Iowa State. Mike, you mentioned this could potentially be an upset pick. Who do you have in this one? I have Ohio State. Iowa State. I mean, Ohio, I mean, Iowa State, sorry. The, you know, but here, the Mountaineers, I believe they have the number one defense in the nation. Um, uh, yeah, best defense and the fourth best passing defense. Yeah, and that's saying something playing in that conference, right? To have a, to have some defense. So, yeah, and I think this is something where I go. They look at their season go, or five and three, and four and three in the conference. This is this is something we can do to try to to shake some things. Plus, I think a lot would have to happen for Iowa State not to make it to the to the Big Twelve, right? I mean, even if they lose today, they're pretty much a clear path. Let's let's hope they stay fired up. But I, I say Iowa State, but don't be shocked if West Virginia stays in this one. Oh, my gosh. It's one of those picks again. You, I thought we were done with this, Mike. We were, <laughs> so West Virginia is going to win this game now because you said that. Like, Probably. It's, it's fact. It's confirmed fact. I don't think West Virginia is going to win this game at all. They haven't played since November 14th. And while, I mean, that is kind of a bonus, a lot of people are going to be rested and healthy dealing with COVID and dealing dealing with all that stuff. You know, having sat for that long and then having to come back in and play a nationally ranked team in your first game, I just don't see it going over well for West Virginia, no matter how good that defense is. So I think Iowa State's going to win this game pretty easily. Listen, I would love to pick Iowa State. I had them picked on my thing, but I have to stick with my gut now that Mike said that. I'm going with West Virginia um, for the just singularly for the reason that Mike said that they might win. That's the only reason that I'm doing it, just so that if they do win, I can come on the show next week and just make fun of you for being wrong again, but like half wrong. Nathan, how about you? You know, I I kind of lean West Virginia here, but that's mostly because I'm really, it's, you know, it's almost cliche to say that, you know, it's all about what the quarterback does, but, you know, Brock Purdy has been shaky and, I think that shakiness is kind of made is kind of the reason that there are these questions that West Virginia can, you know, pull this pull a fast one here in this game and pull an upset because I think that they've left that door open for a good defensive team to potentially, you know, pull you know, pull a fast one, pull this upset and you know, I, I lean West Virginia right now. I think that the time off is going to be probably their biggest hurdle in this game and I think you know, you might look. They might look a little shaky in the first quarter, or so. But if they could find that rhythm, I think that they will pose probably the best challenge Iowa State's had this year, and I think they can win. Every once in a while, we get one of these breaking news things, and look at us being the first one to inform. But just in, um, Gonzaga and Baylor today in college basketball, the number one two matchup has been postponed due to oh, COVID nineteen issues. So my heart has been ripped out. Um, so yeah, that freaking sucks. Dang it. 
Gonzaga, Baylor, whoever it was. Yeah. Okay, Mike. We, we know you aren't. In, you're still in college <laughs> football mode. Let's keep it going with the college football talk. Nathan, I will uh, follow up with you. Number 19, Iowa, at in Champaign today, facing off against the Fine Illini. Is there any hope in the world that Illinois wins this game? Well, they're wearing the Grey Ghost jerseys, so that oh, gives baby. them at least that 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 boosts them up like a, a good few points in my book. Uh, man, even wearing my uh, bright orange Homer glasses here, I think <laughs> it's going to be a pretty strong. It's going to be a struggle for it. I think Iowa takes this. Illinois can maybe keep it close, but it's going to be about executing on defense for them, and that's mostly not been a strong suit. Uh, they're they're lucky that Iowa's not necessarily incredibly dynamic through the air because I think the passing ga- passing defense for Illinois has been one of their biggest problems all season. Uh, I mean, I think yeah, I was gonna I think I was gonna win this game, but I think Illinois can play competently enough to make it. A football game. I'm going Iowa in this one also. Um, you just at this point, I just, uh, I'm kind of in that spot with Illinois also that I am with Michigan State that I would not put a single dollar down on Illinois to win a game this year, even though they have you know won a couple of games in the last couple of weeks. Um, are we agreeing with that, Mike? Absolutely. All right. Well, going to keep moving here. Um, once again, going to all together do this so we can get to a couple more exciting games. Alabama LSU. As much as I love to talk about the tide, are we are we all agreeing that it's going to be a spanking today? Yeah, it's going to be ugly. Bama. Yep. Yep. Okay. Cool. Next matchup, uh, number thirteen BYU at number eighteen Coastal Carolina. Mike, who you got in this one? I like BYU. You know, I don't sing their praises too much, and I think they're adequately ranked, and I don't think they're Cincinnati. I don't think they're as good as Cincinnati. Um, and I, I think the Coastal Carolina story is a great story and, and a lot of national attention today. I like BYU today, and I like BYU pretty big. Yeah, I think BYU is probably going to win this game convincingly. Um, I mean, Coastal Carolina's played no one really this year to prove that they – that I mean, is an insult to the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. That's right. The Raging Cajuns, you know, they're a good team. Did you see yeah. how they played last night? <laughs> see, did you they watch that game? Night. Did you watch did that they game? Win? They were winning when I Their it long off. snapper had five, um, five, um, like bad snaps over the punter's head. Five. And they still won. <laughs> By yeah. three. By three. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, yeah, like I said, um, stick with BYU. How about you, Jack? Uh, I'm going to go with BYU this game. I think this is a this is a really big game, uh, and I think the spotlight might be a little too big for Coastal Carolina's Grayson McCall. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman, and he, he hasn't played in a game, uh, not necessarily with these kind of implications, but with this kind of magnitude. I mean, two undefeated college football teams playing each other yeah. late in the season. Um, so I'll be curious to see uh, how he how – he, uh, does he fold under pressure or not, but I think, uh, I think BYU is going to win this one. Nathan, you agreeing? Not at all. I am riding the exit here. Gosh, I am riding this is the, the most Chanticleers. Nathan Tucker thing I've ever heard. He likes their he likes their uniforms because this probably I could see him wearing a Coastal Carolina jersey. I could I, too. I would, I would love that you know lovely teal Coastal yes. jersey. Uh, you know, it, I love that story they have. They've only been an FBS team for four years, That's and they're crazy, isn't it? And they're already nine and zero, and you know they're they're playing. I'm playing Liberty. Like Liberty, obviously couldn't play today. Liberty also a pretty solid football team, pretty good football team, and another you know kind of weird story of you know fast success there uh, it's been really interesting it's been really fun watching coastal kind of tear through the sun belt this year i think 
you know, Jack makes a great point. This will be Grayson Nicole's first true test against an actual, you know, legitimate opponent in BYU. The Sun Belt, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, as I've already mentioned, that's probably your top, you know, in Appalachian State there, that's probably your top competition in that conference. You know, I think BYU's, BYU and Coastal kind of had a similar about strength, a kind of similar strength of schedule. Like this year, kind of playing some teams that you expect them to beat and you expect them to beat by a decent decent margin. I think this is going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think Coastal can steal this one. Who's the head and, coach and, for Who's the head coach for Coastal Carolina a few years ago that had the like the post game interview where he was talking about like we need some dogs, we don't need a bunch of cats, and he's like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Iconic. That's, uh, I remember that, this, but I don't remember the coach. This yeah. may be the most notable thing that happens for them today up until uh, or since that moment. So it'll be interesting. You know, it'll great. be a fun it's, one to watch. It's great for BYU too, right? Because they're getting to play an earlier kickoff. They're getting some national attention. This game's getting national. I think they both won simply because of the attention that's around the game today, regardless of who wins today. Final matchup, number five, Texas A&M at Auburn. We are on a time crunch, so real quick, um, Jack, who you got? Texas A&M. I think Kellen Mond's going to turn it around. I think Texas A&M wins, wins this game actually pretty handily. Nathan? Uh, I think that this is going to be the Bo Nix statement game this year. I think this is going to be Auburn's you know, sneaky last win to prove that this season wasn't a total loss. I think it'll be a really close game. I think you know both teams will probably be gunning through the air quite a lot. Uh, I think it'll be... Another, it'll be uh, as much a shootout as you can see in an SEC game like this, so it'll be kind of like a 31-28 kind of game. I think this game could very uh, well end up going kind of like the Alabama-Georgia game did, where it's um, you know back and forth constantly first half, and then te- Texas A&M pulls away in the second half. I'm going to stick with te- Texas A&M to win this one uh, by about 10 points or so. Mike? I'm going with Nathan Tucker. I like Auburn today. I think I think I think this matchup sits well for them, and I think by the end of the day we'll pick this as an upset. And I think Auburn wins and kills A and M's chances at a playoff berth. All right. Well, you heard it here. We are going to take a quick break, but Mike, thanks for joining us as always. Enjoy uh, your couch today. Um, hope that uh, you. Uh, oh no, not couch. I think we're dragging a TV out into the sun. That's today. what's up. Oh, that's nice. Yes. That's what's up. That's that's a that's a power move right there. I love it. Absolutely. Well, enjoy that, and uh, you know, and enjoy the games today. I hope you uh, get plenty of pleasure out of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, we are going to take Thanks, a Mike. we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, it is going to be trivia. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. I'm going to ask all the questions around here, and I'm going to give all the answers. It's time for trivia. I'm going to ask you five questions. The answer to every one of them will be on the WLCA Sports Show. How smooth was that? My Flawless. goodness. Clicked Very the smooth. wrong one. Very oh, smooth. man. If that doesn't sum up my week, then I don't know what does. All right. Let's get into it. Let's for, let's just pretend that didn't happen, guys. <laughs> what <laughs> happened? I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Nathan Tucker. <laughs> All right. Question number one. When was the last time that the Washington Wizards made it out of the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs? 2018? Or sorry, 2008, 2012, 2014, or 2017? Ooh, I don't know. I'm just going to guess uh, 2012. I w- I'm going to go with 2017 because John Wall was still healthy then. 
Question number two, what player has the most at-bats in MLB history? Cal Ripken Jr., Carl Yazdrzemski, Hank Aaron, or Pete Rose? I'm going to say Pete Rose. Uh, I want to say Cal Ripken Jr. Question question number three, in NHL 20, the game, um, who was the highest-rated player? Alex Ovechkin, Nikita Kucherov, Sidney Crosby, or Connor McDavid? Probably Connor McDavid. That's, I mean, that's an educated guess. I'm going to say Kucherov. Question number four. Who was the highest ranked non-Power 5 team of all time in college football history? Keep in mind, some of these teams were not Power 5 at the time. BYU, Boise State, Utah, or TCU? Doesn't Boise State have the cool field? Yes. I'm going with Boise State. The blue turf. (laughs) Uh, can you repeat the question again? Yeah. Who was the highest-ranked non-Power 5 team of all time, like at the end of the season, um, in college football history? Um, boy, BYU, Boise State, Utah, or TCU? I think Utah. Question number five. How many MLB teams still haven't won a World Series? Closest to the answer is correct. Six. Eight. All right. Well, that concludes trivia for today. Before we get into uh, the answers um, and our winner, just a couple of headlines we weren't able to get to. The NFL has reinstated wide receiver Josh Gordon from his indefinite suspension. Along with that, we talked about the LeBron James and Anthony Davis signings of the, from the Los Angeles Lakers. Also, the Houston Texans wide receiver Will Fuller has been suspended six games due to a violation of the NFL's PED policy. He will be out for the remainder of the season. And the Los Angeles Dodgers acquired uh, relief pitcher Corey uh, Knebel from the Brewers for cash considerations um, this past week. Uh, Knebel was one of the best relievers just a couple of years ago in the MLB, but uh, has struggled ever since. All right. How are you guys feeling about trivia? I don't know. I feel like I got the Boise State question right, though. I have a really weird feeling. I am not confident at all. Not confident at all. Well, you know what? That's what we love to hear. You know what that means? It is time to inform you of who our winner is this week. It is Jack. Jack absolutely dominated today. Nathan, you got spanked, man. Uh, Let's go back through these. Um, Question number one was, when was the last time that the Washington Wizards made it out of the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs? It was 2017. So... Good job to you. You get the ding, Jack. Uh, Nathan, (laughs) you suck. Uh, Question number two, what player has the most at-bats in MLB history? Cal Ripken Jr., Carl Yazremski, Hank Aaron, or Pete Rose? It was Pete Rose. You get the ding. Nathan, you get the eh. Um, Question number three, in NHL 20, who was the highest-rated player? Ovechkin, Kucherov, Crosby, or McDavid? Uh, Let's see. Nathan, you said Kucherov wrong. It was McDavid. Come on. That's an easy one. That was a gimme, and you got it wrong, Nathan. It's only because all the people who play it want McDavid to be ranked higher. That's fair. Kucherov's better. Oh, woo, I don't know about that. That's a hot take. Uh, question, number, <laughs> question number four, who was the highest ranked non-power hey, five who team? won that cup last year? I'm just saying. Oh, uh, we're going off the cup now? So are we, is that, does that mean that Vladimir Tarasenko is the best player in, uh, in the NHL last year? Come on, I don't Nathan. have any problem with that either. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> be BYU, Boise State, Utah, or TCU. You both got it incorrect. Get the and. It was TCU. TCU was ranked third in 2010 and won the Rose Bowl against number four, Wisconsin. So it's 3-0 right now. Question number five. How many MLB teams still haven't won a World Series? It was six. 
on the dot. Jack absolutely dominated this week. 4 nothing. Wowza. It was the Rays, the Rockies, the Mariners, the Rangers, the Brewers, and the Padres. So, Nathan Tucker, rough week for you. Um, Jack, you, um, you didn't since it's your first time. You don't know we do this, but you have a you get a chance now to give a a post game or a speech, a victory speech. What you got? Wow, I got. I mean, I got nothing. I mean, Nathan, man, you couldn't even get one right. Oh gosh, he's you going could, this direction. You couldn't even get one right, man. Come wow, on. attacking me on your first show. Huh? Look, I'm just I don't leaving, know. I'm, I'm just leaving hey, the team speak now. If we're going off championships, if we're going off championships. Wowza. Wow. I didn't expect that. Nothing to say. Closing team speak. Sheesh. Just, I mean, he could have gone with the grateful for, for the opportunity, you know, coming on last minute. No, he just went for your head, dude. I got something to prove. Oh, my gosh. Wowza. All right. Well, that pretty much concludes our show for today. Um, you know, today we got... College basketball, college football, um, you know, college basketball definitely not nearly as exciting now with uh, Gonzaga Baylor being postponed. But you know, there's still some good games out there today. And then the NFL resuming tomorrow. Big, big week for my uh, fantasy team. Got to get that win, you know. Uh, so we'll see what happens from Nathan Tucker, Jack Barker and Ethan Hannaford. Thank you guys so much for listening here on College Radio's Best.